Warren didn't always want his younger brother Tennyson around. And Tennyson felt overshadowed by his more outgoing brother, as they are normally uh, geared to take the spotlight, overshadowing the younger brother. Over time, Tennyson developed the sense that nobody wanted to be friends with him. He figured that the other group were just putting up with him because of the popularity of his older brother, Soren. In different ways, in different places, we all have had similar experiences of being unwanted, feeling unwanted, because the spotlight is always on someone else, whether we're at home, in the church, at our workplace. And sadly, a lot of the world thinks that God behaves that way, that he favors some and not others, that Christ redeemed some, but not others. But no matter how we feel unwanted, we need to be rest assured, and I think from the opening song and through the songs today that we have sung, that God is a God who draws us near to himself. That Jesus draws near to the lonely, to the forgotten, reminding them that they are wanted, not unwanted, that they are accepted, not rejected, Everywhere where Jesus goes in the Gospels, when we read through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, we see that Jesus is the one who takes those people on the outside and he brings them into the fold to become part of his family that he is establishing through the works of his life, the cross, the resurrection, his ascension, and the glorious return that we all await someday. I think that him just as I am captured that that we don't have to do anything to be worthy of God's acceptance no matter where we are in life hear me this morning God accepts you God accepts you we are an accepted humanity because of the work of Christ and we are called to live this life togetherness as you can see the picture of the Trinity and we started with holy 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 Lord God Almighty speaking about the, the Trinity and its life it's a life of togetherness and acceptance that God calls us to and he calls us to be in community with him no one is unwanted no one is excluded all are invited that means you have to accept the invitation to enter into this inner circle of divine love where the Father and the Son and the Spirit live and abide. And we're called to live this life on this earth, which is a symbol of darkness and the reign of death. So somehow, through this person called Jesus Christ, even though we're still in this place called earth where the reign of death still reigns, we can experience the eternal life of Jesus Christ. But he hearing what I'm saying? Before God will create community through you, he must be first community in you. You need to experience this beautiful Godhead, this triune God, the life you entered into when you accepted Jesus. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is a life that includes the Father and the Spirit as well. We serve the triune God, not just one of the gods, the full Godhead. You know, God created us to be in community, and God himself is better together. Now, i got to say that God himself is better together. Our together God is in an inseparable unity. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, we read this. 
For through Christ we have access into one spirit to the Father. Through Christ, through the Spirit, to the Father. Now what happened at the beginning of the creation, Adam and Eve fell away from God's grace and they were separated and access to God was impossible until he decided to make covenants again with Adam and Eve and then Noah and then Abraham and then David and so on until it's fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. But we don't live anymore on the side of the lost presence of God. There is access available to everyone to have fellowship with this beautiful Godhead. No longer is it found in a tabernacle. No longer is it found in a temple. It's found in the people that have received Christ, not only received Christ, but entered into this life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this God. This is true salvation. True salvation. And this is what God wants for all of you. You don't have to be Tennyson. You don't have to be unwanted. You don't have to feel unwanted. There is a God that is knocking on the door of your heart, seeking with all his might to have fellowship with you, but he won't force you to. You need to make that willful decision yourself. See, the God who exists and lives in togetherness, and we need to back up to Genesis 1, and I know we've done the series on this not too long ago, so we won't spend much time here. At the very start of Scripture, the very first verses of Genesis, we're told that God who created us and in whose image that we are created existed in this togetherness. There's beautiful relational community of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was God. And the word is a plural word there, and we won't make much of it because it's really implicit, not explicit, when we come to defining the doctrine of the Trinity. And we're not here to fight or to define a doctrine. We're here to understanding life as it's revealed through this three-person, one God that we worship and adore. When you move to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the same word is always for, used for God. It's Elohim, the plural noun. As I said, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then in verse 3, and God said. So in other words, you have God, you have Spirit, and you have the Word. In other words, who's the Word? Jesus is the Word. The Word that became man. The Word that became flesh. The Word that became a human being. The Word that became one of us. All of this is contained in the first three verses of Genesis chapter 1. See, God is not angry at creation, no matter how many preachers would try to tell you that. God delights with us. He made humanity to dwell with him, to live with him, to have life in him and through him. And God created us in whose image we are created to exist in this togetherness. Togetherness. But to achieve this togetherness, we need to understand that our lives need to be lived together with him. Before we can talk about family in a few weeks or team in a few weeks, we need to understand that our life begins with our life with him or else the other community is just useless to try to achieve on our own strength and our own merit badges. We need to know that we are made to be together with God. And God has existed from the beginning as one in yet three. And as soon as I say that, I know the mathematicians in the house get a little bit edgy and say, how can that be? <laughs> but this, 
this beautiful community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's not supposed to be a math problem. It's not supposed to be find the missing piece of the puzzle and put it all together. What it's supposed to talk to us about, what's supposed to relate to us about, what is the gift of this community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to us, it's about experiencing the fullness of life. Fullness of life. Accepted by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we jump from Genesis now to John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. I'm going to read from the message this morning. It's very easy to understand. Though I have my Bible in the NIV version before me, but this comes from the message. Hear the word of the Lord as John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. Try to put that continuance from chapter 1 in Genesis and relate it how it is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He said, the word was first. The word present to God, and God present to the Word. The Word was God. The God who spoke creation into being is the Word, and He was God. So this Jesus that is about to be born is also God, and readiness for God for, from day one. Everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without Him. What came into existence was life, and that life was light to live by. This life-light blazed out of darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. This God, the author of life, can enter this reign of death, and this reign of death could never put him out, can never take God out. There was a man, his name was John, that's talking about John the Baptist, sent by God to point out the way to the light, life, or the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. So all those that have accepted Jesus and decided to step in his life, he brings you into this place of light and life in the realm of death. He was in the world, and the world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice him. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him, so Jesus knows what it means to be rejected. Hello? You're not alone. You're not alone. But whoever did not want him who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made be to, to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. These are the God-begotten. Not blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not genetics, not DNA, not sex-begotten. They are the God-begotten. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The Word that was the the, where the author of life comes from and originates from, stepped into this world of death and decay and became one to fellowship with us. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of the kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. For this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty God, from whom all hearts are open, and all desires known, and no secrets hid. Cleanse us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we may worthily magnify your holy name and praise your name together through Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. The God who exists 
and lives in togetherness. So we've seen at the very start of Scripture, the verse verses of Genesis, that we're told that God created us in his image and we're created to exist with him in his togetherness and we are, to, we are created and redeemed to exist in this together life. At the same time, God, who has always existed in togetherness, invites us to do life together with him. As we said in the first sermon on the series, we are better together. And as Pastor Betty talked about, the missing link in the puzzle, which was our cooperation with God and our unity in the Spirit and in Christ. So we're called here to look at the God that invites us. So let me say that the word is not just a knit. The word is a person. Truth is a person. Love is a person. Grace is a person. Peace is a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And God has a name, and we sang that song beautifully just at our time of prayer. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. God has given us a name in which we can call unto him, and we can come near to him, and he can come near to us. And the creeds establish the beauty of our relationship with God when he says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, our Savior, and his Son, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. I believe in the Holy Spirit, not the giver of death, but the giver of life. Life. John 10.10, later on in the John's Gospel, we know that it says that, and he came that we may have life. And if you go to the epistles of John, he says that Jesus Christ came that he may destroy the works of the enemy or the works of, de- uh, of the devil. You know what the devil's works are since the beginning of time. He tells you you're defective. He tells you you're deficient. He tells you you don't add up. And that's how he got Adam and Eve to fall. And that's how he's ruining a lot of of our mental health in our day too. He's still at work saying the same type of word. You're defective, you're deficient, you're stupid, you're dumb. And he gets at your inner core and he begins to tear apart your soul layer by layer until you feel worthless and unwanted like little Tennyson. But the gift of God through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have a beautiful relationship. It's, a, it's relational terms. It's community terms. It's living together terms. It's about source. It's about life. And it has this unself, self-centered relationship, as you see on the screen behind me, in which they revolve around one another. They, they, they live around one another. It's a little circle, a little dance, and none makes the other revolve around himself. None takes the center place and says, I'm more important. Father's more important than the the sun and the sun is more important than the spirit, and you can turn that upside down how many ways you want. They are all of equal importance. They share the same essence, the same substance. They have the same purpose, the same will, the same nature, the same essence. They are one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And love him is our direct command to us with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength in this beautiful circle of life. Perechoresis. Mutual indwelling, divine dance, 
These are the ways describing what it means for God to live within the Godhead and the God self as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's also what it means that God makes room around God's self for us to live in this circle, this beautiful dance of life. We are not the same, but we are moving together. God is diverse, but he's also united. God is one, but he's also three. So we have this beautiful picture of community, of life with God. It's, that word is where we get the word for choreography, where the dance and all that type of stuff comes from. And we're called to participate in this beautiful dance. And if you've seen some recent worship videos that they have the musicians all in a circle, all in a circle, and they're worshiping God as they're playing, singing, or kneeling, or standing up. And I remember one day in Bible college when, when uh, one of our teachers, Clyde Burroughs, that was a missionary to Papua New Guinea, when he turned around because it had chairs there, he turned all the chairs in a circle and he put the communion table in the middle and we worship for that whole chapel service around that table, around the word of God as he preached it to us. And we were forced to look at each other in the face as we worship the God that we all came to love and to serve. And we had connection with each other instead of sitting in rows and you're looking at me but you can't see what's happening behind you unless you're preaching from up here, that is. Well, what? beautiful experience it is and I see it coming back in this and, and we've done that in the late 1980s in Busingen in the country of Germany and Switzerland worshiping it in a circle and I think it captured this idea of the dance of life that God is calling us to we can see the pain in a circle when someone is weeping and we can begin to feel for them and have compassion for them and have empathy for them and we can even move from that circle and go to where they are and pray for them but it's impossible when we put the sanctuary in a hierarchy structure and we don't even view each other see each other or know who's here sometimes on Sunday morning but the life in the Trinity is a beautiful experience for us. The life of the Trinity is affirmation that God's eternal life is a movement of love. On this month that we celebrate love, we celebrate community. This is God's affirmation that the Word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Life together in God is not primarily for communicating communal bliss. <laughs> What life in the Trinity is mostly, mostly about, and if you read enough Old Testament scripture, is to do away with idolatry, with worshiping anyone else but God. It's to do away with putting yourself in the circle and everybody got to dance around you because you're the King Honcho or the Queen Honcho. Everybody takes a step back and the only one that has a center place is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's why when you go into some church buildings and they have a picture of Jesus in the middle of a cathedral-like dome as they worship there with their tradition, it's to say this is the center of our faith, not us, not the worship team, not the pastor. He alone is worthy of our praise and of our glory. Key is participation in this life. We don't sit on the sides and wait for heaven to come and Jesus to come. We are called to participate in that holy life right now. Right now. Isn't it beautiful that before Jesus was baptized, he didn't have a ministry? He didn't say a word as far as we know. The missing years, like we talked about last year, the 
last week, rather, the missing years of Moses as well. We don't know what happened. He didn't have any of that. And yet, at his baptism, something beautiful happened. From Matthew chapter 3, it's in your bulletins as well as the scripture for today. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Here we have the Father, the Spirit, and the Son together. And the words that God says to Jesus, because Jesus is representing humanity, is the words that he says to each and every one of us in this place, in this world, from yesterday to today, and the ones yet to be born. He says, I am well pleased with the humanity that I created enough to send my son to them. He doesn't wait for you to start a ministry. He doesn't wait for you to, to say a prayer. He doesn't wait for any of those things to take place in your life. He already declares that I am pleased with what I created. It's evident in, in Genesis early chapters again. He created humanity. says, very good. Very good. You don't have to feel unwanted, folks. You don't have to feel excluded. You don't have to rattle your brain, does God love me or God doesn't love me? Or what do I have to do to earn God's love? The answer is absolutely nothing. He loves you. He loves you. And he cares for you. You know what's sad in our day? Many people have given up on the idea of wanting God to love them. Many people have given up on seeking the God who loves and the God who continues to echo throughout the world and throughout time. With you, I am well pleased. Have you ever heard those words personally speak to your heart? With you, I am well pleased. I have. I have. And he taken me, the unwanted one, the unwelcome one, and he brought me into his circle of love. He's helped me to see how beautiful our God is and how glorious our God is. And he comes to all of us that are feeling like Tennyson, unwanted and unwelcome and excluded. And he's saying, you have a place in my presence. There has been access given through Christ, through the Spirit, through the Father. And all this comes through the cross. All this comes through the cross. We're going to sing it at the end. Jesus is our miracle worker, brethren, <laughs> brothers and sisters. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. Jesus is the one who made the way because he is the way, the truth, and the life, not death. And our Father and our Savior and our Spirit never comes to us with words of death, but always with words of life. See, since Adam and Eve, humanity has been underneath that ram reign of death and we all have a loss of purpose. That's why so many motivational speakers have to ignite the sense of purpose in mankind. We have this loss of be belonging, and that's why we have to continually say that we're all neighbors when it should be already understood, and how better to understand it in light of God's plan for all people. We have a loss of home, and Jesus wants us to find our home, which is in the 
together God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know that God could have destroyed the reign of death and start all over again, but he decided to enter into this world of death that we call earth, where we are living right now, because death is still a reality. And he decided not to overcome the world by his raw power and says, get out of here, <laughs> or be done away and start from scratch. But he decided to redeem it. Hello? He decided to give humanity another chance. He decided to give the world he created another chance. And he did that by entering into this world, by moving into our neighborhood where the reign of death reigns. <laughs> and he entered the depths of all that death stands for, right to the cross and to the grave, right into the, to the tomb. And he came out and he rehealed our re relation in our spiritual world by defeating death on its own turf. Hello? You get that? Here's this guy that comes from the reign of life, steps into the reign of death. He dies on the cross. He's buried. He's left for dead. People are hopeless. They have no meaning in their life. They feel, oh, we're excluded and we're unwanted and nobody loves us. He was supposed to be our healer. He was supposed to be our deliverer. He's supposed to be our savior. Look, he's dead, but then he steps beyond the grave and he comes out again, but he's still in the reign of death. He comes out, but he's not dead anymore. He is alive. And the power of God is in him, and it has risen him, and it has brought this life in the reign of death. And he says, even though the world around me is dead, we are alive, church. Don't believe those naysayers. We are alive because he's alive. He's already defeated death on its own turf. See, the cross is the parousia. It's the coming of Christ. Every time we look at that cross, it reminds us that death is with. I'm not just talking about Jesus' death. I'm talking about death, the power of death. You follow me? And he didn't die just to take our death. He died to defeat it, to overcome it, to put it to death. And he invites you and me to participate in it. You know that song, Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold This Body Down? And then when they get kind of a, a bridge that is more, I guess, spontaneous, it says, Jesus walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. But that doesn't mean that I got to die before I walk out of the grave. I walked out of the grave in this life, folks. When I accepted Jesus Christ, I died, his life came into me, and I walked out of that grave now. Some of us are familiar with these old sketches. This is a big illustration that doesn't go far enough. I know some of you are going to be shaking your heads. It doesn't go far enough. As many of us have used it on napkins and serviettes and restaurants to explain salvation. You know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Savior and he's Lord, you are saved. But all this does is deal with personal sins. All the temple does is deal with that someday I'm going to reach the other side. All this thing does is take away the, give you forgiveness for what you've done, but it does nothing to do with the ridness and the defeat of the reign of death in your life and over your life. You follow me? 
It should be more like this. The kingdom of life, free from sin, the free from the powers that is God. And that God, that is the word that became fleshed, he moved to where the man is calling, help! Not us crossing to life, it's life crossing to death. And in life crossing to death, he brings new life. And no longer does the reign of death reign, but the reign of life reigns in me, through me, through the body of Christ, through the church, as a testimony, as light to the darkness in which we live in. Hallelujah. And no longer the kingdom of death. I'm no longer a slave to sin. No longer I'm a captive of the powers that be. I'm no longer part of the group that lies. I'm a part of the truth. I'm no longer part of the group that gossips. I'm part of the ones that speak the truth in Jesus' name. Do you follow me? Have you gone far enough in your walk in Jesus is the question. Have you gone far enough and understand that this life of Christ, the life has crossed over to us. He's here right now, the author of life, in the spirit, the Father and Jesus are right here and they're inviting you. And you might be saying, oh, I feel so unwanted. I feel so rejected. I feel not accepted. And he's saying, I have come to give you life. Don't listen to the liar this morning that says you're deficient. Don't listen to the liar that says you're defective. Don't listen to the liar that says you're dumb and useless and you can't do anything. God's saying, with you, I am. Well, please, does anyone hear the call of salvation? Does anyone understand what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there with this victorious Christ? reigning in our lives. See, the church is both triumphant and militant. It's triumphant, and we usually say, you know, promoted to glory and Pastor Betty's Salvation Army background. But the church is also militant. That means we that are on earth still have a battle to do with the reign of death because he won't give up and die yet. But he has been defeated, has he not? Christ is victorious, is he not? Christ come to give us life, has he not? Christ came for the blind to see and the lost to be found, for those that were unredeemed to be redeemed and to make you whole so that you may live a holy life following the author of life himself, Jesus Christ. The sad thing in Protestantism, what we do is that we, we kind of say, when you get to death, you cross to life. <laughs> in the sweet by and by, that's a, that's a lie. The life has already crossed into our world. That's the essence of our doctrine of holiness. That's the life, that's the victory that we can have. And sin is not the norm, it is the exception to the one who reigns over us, to the one who lets Christ reign over him and through him to be the light in the midst of darkness. When that word became flesh and into our world, that John the writer said that the Light came into the darkness, and the darkness couldn't overcome it. Boy, God has a lot of faith in us, doesn't he? It's time that we listen to God's voice instead of all those negative voices out there that says, you're not accepted. Come. You're not wanted. <laughs> and listen to the voice that invites you into this fold, this dance, of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, which really is a dance of life. Life. 
I know there's still sickness in this world. I know there's still problems in this world. But the church that is called to be Christ in this world is one of life and light. That's our role. You know, doesn't it always amaze you when you hear pessimistic people? Oh, the world's really getting worse. And then they read the paper and all the world. Even though they're saying the world's getting worse, they're so surprised by it when it comes to being. But we don't serve that type of God. We have a God that has given us this glorious gift of life. Life. My body may be decaying, but I'm becoming more alive every day in Christ. (laughs) Hello? Becoming more alive in Christ. Have you experienced this Jesus, this Father, this Spirit that I'm talking about? See, it's not about waiting to the last, to the end of life and you stop breathing and then you say, I enter the presence of the Lord. See, it's not about that. It's about the presence of the Lord entering my life now. And if I die, I still will be with him because even though you die, yet you shall live. It's that presence of God in this life that takes me to the other life. And if you don't know him now, you won't know him after. Hello? 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 No one likes to be rejected, right? It causes too much pain, rejection. And yet they rejected our Lord and Savior. You know why? Rejection feels so bad. As I bring this to a close. Rejection feels so bad because we're not wired for rejection. That's a lie of the enemy. We are wired for acceptance. That's why that baptismal statement down in Matthew and other Gospels of the Father descending like the Spirit and speaking on his Son with you, I am well pleased, is so important. You're wired for acceptance. And the devil is trying to throw some lies into your life. And forgive the church if you ever felt unaccepted, unwanted, rejected. It's not our role. Our role is to accept you wherever you are in life and to walk alongside you and to encourage you along that way because we serve the author of life and not the author of death. You follow me, church? You follow me? When we get this concept, it changes the way we do things for Christ. It's no longer a burden. It's a joy. It's a delight to serve my God because he's a God of acceptance and not of rejection. As we sing this song, as the worship team comes forward, I really want to ask you, which God have you accepted? What God have you accepted? Because if you've been listening to voices of rejection, ejecting fear of unwantedness and untruth, that's not the God of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This God that we serve, that we proclaim that is good news, is a God that comes to you, that says, I'm pleased with you. No matter how short you come from his glory, he's pleased with you because he wants to enter into your life and infuse his life in you where you are now. And I think the psalmist says it well. I'll close with these words. Taste and see 
that the Lord is God. So the final question is, are you saved? Let's stand and sing the Waymaker.